Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, presented by Texas Family Fitness. I am your host, Will Skywalker Steel. Welcome, 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 welcome. Yeah, as you see the title today, will the defensive philosophy shift again in Dallas? We have some coaching movement, so there could be some ramifications with that, right? There could be some ramifications with that. So we'll talk about that, some of these coaching decisions that are coming down around the league and how that affects the Cowboys' defensive side because I think the offensive side is starting to settle in, unfortunately, right? We heard Kellen Moore is not going to be a head coach. Looks like Mike McCarthy is going to be back. That side likely will run this whole thing back. So, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, seems like we're stuck there. For now. For now. That can change, right? Hopefully it does change. But on a defensive side, there are questions, and we'll have to visit those questions. And then we'll grade the defensive staff uh, from this year, similar to what we did yesterday for those who were here uh, yesterday morning. We graded offensive line, the head coach, obviously, because he's more offense. Kellen Moore, um, and then on the defense, we'll do the same thing. We'll do the same thing. D-line, secondary, we'll go all down the list, and uh, we'll talk about why I think it's important that, obviously, we retain Quinn. That's the number one thing. But if not, we need to find some continuity on that side of the ball because it's it's been a decade issue. So we'll talk about that today. You can call in uh, later on, 351-999-3787. Give your take on this whole thing, your take on Dan Quinn's situation, and uh, hear what you got to say, Cowboys Nation. Yesterday was a very uh, vibrant show with the whole Sean Payton situation, but I'm hoping that kind of fizzles out a little bit, unless it's going to happen, you know, but fizzles out a little bit, and we can find some real solutions uh, to make this team better on that side of the ball. But today, it's about the defense, the the one positive, I would say one positive, but the, the major positive coming out of the 2021 season, right? All right, some shout-outs in order, man. Shout-out to Stevie Mac, the mod god in the building. Uh, looks like we have someone from Tokyo in here. Salute. Uh, Tom Downey Burner account, Tamara. Uh, Jonathan Scruggs, Keith Shep, Cowboy Fan 91 Mark Canella, Zeus, Chase Washington, David J, Alpha Mason in the building, uh, Amanda Brown, Irvin, David Moore, Mike G, our guy Matt Goddix over here on Facebook. We got Dannon, Peter Rizzo, Lance Bell, Oscar Sullivan. Uh, f- what is this? F- We're just going to call you Mr. Hernandez <laughs> in the building. Hopefully we get our guy CJ uh, later on. Oh, so this Japan... YouTube account is actually Eagles are trash in Japanese. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good morning, Corey Elliott. Good morning, James Simmons. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I hope everybody is enjoying their Thursday, 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 um, Thursday, Thursday, right? We on Thursday. My days are all mixed up. Uh, see Burleson. What's going on? See uh, Tony Peters from NC. Appreciate you joining David J. I see you. He says, I don't know why you have only 14.8K subs. Your content is off the chain. Wow. That deserves a clue bomb. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're working real hard here at A to Z. Just had a great meeting with Zach yesterday. 
a lot in store. I think I teased you guys last week about how the structure of the show or of the channel really will change as this offseason progresses. And uh, we're hoping to start that next week and have a solid structure for you. I mean, a lot. I have a lot of great ideas. I, I have a book. I just write stuff down. A whole lot of great ideas for this offseason to get us through this together, right? To get us through this thing together. We'll talk about that, Tommy, this offseason. You know, Malik Turner. We'll talk about the free agents, draft prospects, finally starting to get into the lab, most likely this weekend. And next week, we'll start our draft spotlight. We'll highlight somebody every week. Uh, we'll get the draft shows going. It's a lot we have in order, in store for you guys. It just took a couple weeks to get over what happened against the 49ers, unfortunately, right? Like, that sucked. But uh, keep up, man. Keep up. Stay posted. Keep rocking with us. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this content even more. We're going to take Season 2 to the next level. I promise you. I promise you. All right, let's get into the roundup. And coming out, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the content. It's time. Time. It's time. time. It is time for. It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Yes, indeed. Morning roundup presented by Texas Family Fitness. A solution for your fitness goals. Strive for progress, not perfection. Fitness goals are not accomplished with one workout. Progress towards your goals with Texas Family Fitness. There are nine different locations in the DFW area. Visit any of those nine locations or hit TexasFamilyFitness.com up and let them know Skywalker Steel and A to Z Sports sent you. All right, first up, man, <laughs> Michael Irvin. I, listen, y'all, Michael Irvin is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I, I love his passion for the Dallas Cowboys. It's unmatched. It truly is. It's unmatched. And Irvin went on 105 through the fan Yesterday, I believe it was, maybe it was two days ago, and he talked about the whole Sean Payton versus Mike McCarthy situation. Just take a listen to Michael Irvin explaining his viewpoint of getting Sean Payton on board. It's hilarious, but it's also some good points made uh, in between. Take a listen to this. (laughs) And, and, And help you guys with the understanding of the difference between Payton and McCarthy. Please. And Payton, I think Payton and a whole bunch of coaches. Because I hear you guys going to get the numbers and talking about uh, uh, how, how tantamount equal to the numbers are both guys. But the reality is, the reality is, you it, that's looking at the high. Oh, they got one Super Bowl. They haven't been back in a long time. They both had uh, some pretty good generational quarterbacks, and, and, and they won. Here's the difference that you have to understand that I think put Sean Payton above it all. Look at the success that Sean Payton has had without his best players. Mm. Without Michael Thomas, without Drew Brees, he still keeps them competitive. They beat the champs twice this year without his best players. Mm. That's what we're talking about. Without our best players, we lost every darn game. <laughs> that's just the reality. We lost every darn game. I had a stuffed animal on the show as an emotional support dog. Are you joking? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, what? 
Mike, man, you gotta love Mike. I mean, if we could get by, if we could get past the comedy of it, he's right. I mean, he's absolutely right. We talked about this yesterday on the show. Yes, their resumes are similar, but context matters. Context absolutely matters, and you you have to look at the context of uh, not Mike Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy's resume and. Sean Payton's resume, I think we all agree Sean Payton would be better for this team for a number of different reasons. But if you just want to go look at their resumes and then put the context to it, like Mike said, he's had success without Drew Brees. He's had success without Michael Thomas. I don't that's not the case in Dallas. And it's not even just a a Mike McCarthy thing. (laughs) That's been the case for the last since 2007. Whenever Tony Romar, Dak Prescott is out for an extended period of time, obviously it folded. And normally, even in the Tony Romo era, when one or two of their main players were out, even with those guys in, same thing under Dak, things seem to crumble. Whereas Sean Payton has dealt with, I mean, a, a myriad of things and kept that team afloat. Um, and like you said, he he beat, how the hell do you beat the Tampa Bay Bucks? With Taysom Hill. Twice. Good coaching will do that for you, man. Good coaching will do that for you. But yeah, my, my Michael Irvin, man. Hilarious. Hilarious. Next up, ESPN dropped a top 50 rankings, free agent rankings, and had five Dallas Cowboys in the top 50. Uh, that should go to show you how many important pieces are out there in free agents for the Cowboys. I think it's a little bit different than last year. Yes, most of these guys are rotational guys, some starters, etc. But last year, there were a lot of free agents too, but those free agents were kind of like ho-hum. This year, you obviously have some bigger names on that list. I'll read you where they had some of our guys ranked. 45th was LVE. 40th was Michael Gallup, kind of low, honestly. Surprised he was 40th there, but maybe because of the ACL tear. 33rd, Connor Williams. Connor Williams ranked above LVE and Michael Gallup. I wonder if that goes to show you what other teams feel about Connor Williams. But those penalties, I mean, I would have ranked him below everyone. Uh, 23rd was Dalton Schultz, and then 15th was Randy Gregory. I think they got the top two right. I think I think I would have put Gallup. I think I would go Randy Gregory, Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup in that inside of those top five that we have. Those would be the top three to me. And I still think the Michael Gallup one is the most tricky one that the Cowboys have at this moment. They're, they're the, that's the one they got to figure out what they want to do because there's an opportunity to bring him back on a cheap deal, but you may not see him until middle of the season. I, I'm pretty sure... Uh, he would hit the pup list with that ACL injury from the end of the season. Maybe he'll start off on regular injured reserve. I don't know, but that's usually a nine to 11 month type of recovery, right? So I think you could see him start training camp on a pup list wherever he's at, and then they'll decide whether to carry it over into the season. But the Gallup injury definitely makes things very interesting heading to this offseason. I personally, I'm all for getting a slot slots guy like a said Wilson or another slot guy um, 
I think Michael Gallup is, is a fantastic player, but I think he could be featured somewhere else more than he would here. That makes sense. And then you had Dalton Schultz, who we'll get into these free agent, um, free agent focus with the Cowboys throughout the offseason. But Dalton Schultz, low key, low key. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of, hey, we can go get some tight ends. It's a deep tight end class. May have been your most important or most dependable offensive pass catcher all season. I don't even know if it's low key. <laughs> I think it's just real. He's your most dependable pass catcher all season. Didn't miss any games, hardly miss any snaps. Uh, was there from day one, reliable in the red zone. Uh, was pretty sure handed. Kind of uh, Jason Witten esque with some yak to him. Right? Not crazy yak, but more yak than Jason Witten ever gave you. But uh, I think Dalton Schultz definitely played his way into a fat contract. So I, that's why I see him out of Dallas. That makes sense. All right, and finally, Dan Quinn is not the guy in Denver. The Broncos choose Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who possibly, maybe, could try to lure Aaron Rodgers. That's something we have to think about throughout this offseason. We could the uh, NFC could be without Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady heading into the 2022-2023 season, which helps the Cowboys, if you ask me. Uh, but... Yeah, Dan Hackett is the guy. They went with the offensive guy. And now we have Dan Quinn as a one of the favorites for Chicago and or New York. So that's where we stand with Dan Quinn. We dodged one of those hollow bullets with Denver. He was very highly popular in Denver, and it went with the offensive guy. Can we dodge more bullets? You know, And, and now with head coaching jobs coming down it looks like jacksonville is going to hire byron leftwich who they ironically drafted in 2003 uh, in the top 10 you have denver choosing hackett that's two jobs that are down got like seven more to go if dan quinn can dodge these bullets it will be a godsend for the dallas cowboys uh the football guys will be shining down on this once again because the cowboys absolutely need to be able to retain him in my opinion if you lose him we could be going down a muddy road, but we'll talk about that here in a quick second. I want to get to some of these uh, super chats, but that's it. Dan Quinn is not the head coach, won't be the head coach in Denver, but is still one of the favorites in Chicago and New York. couple super chats. Super chat. Tom Donnie Burner account says, Scott, why on earth would Peyton want to be micromanaged by the Joneses? I don't believe Sean Payton would keep Kellen. Oh, absolutely not. Keep Kellen Moore to call plays instead of him. Sean Payton wants to win. Yeah, Tom, I'm not sure if you were here yesterday. Um, we talked about that extensively yesterday. So here's the thing. If Sean, in my opinion, if Sean Payton does come to Dallas, I don't think he's coming to Dallas to keep with Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore is out. There, there may be only one coach that, Jerry Jones would be willing to kick Kellen Moore to the side for, and it's Sean Payton. I likened him to the Jimmy Johnson, the Bill Parcells, the, you know, the confrontational alpha male coaches that Jerry quasi stepped back for more than anyone else. And I feel like Sean would be that guy. He's the one that got away. He loved Sean Payton. I feel like he'd say, hey, Sean, do what you need to do offensively. I trust you. As opposed to, I want to keep Kellen Moore. Because their their philosophies don't mesh. 
So I don't think he'd keep Kellen Moore, Tom. That that's that's why I think Sean Payton could come here and work under Jerry because I think Jerry that would be the only guy Jerry would be willing to let the reins go a little bit for. He'd still be Jerry, but I don't know if he'd be as uh, involved if Sean was here. At least that's the hope, right? I mean, I, I, we've seen it with Bill. He stepped back a little bit with Bill, but he also made his moves too, right? Give me T.O. I want T.O. Things like that. But, um, yeah, I think Sean could work. Absolutely could work in Dallas because of the love that that the Joneses have for him. And then David J. Super chat. He says, how many D linemen, appreciate you for the $5 donation. How many D linemen are free agents? Uh, I don't have the free agent list up. I had it up and I accidentally clicked it out, but I'm not sure. I would have to go look for you. If someone wants to look that up, they definitely can. That's why I love the chat. They usually drop those nuggets in here for me. They do. All right, what you got to say about some of those uh, super chats here. Uh, TC915 said, Kellen Moore is gone as soon as Peyton gets hired. Yeah, I kind of feel that way as well. Uh, David J says, Sean calls his own plays, doesn't he? Yes. Right. That, that's why I don't think, I shouldn't say because McCarthy called his own plays, right? But McCarthy wasn't a Jerry guy. I think McCarthy fit the bill of, okay, he won the Super Bowl. He wanted an experienced guy, but I also can control this guy. Check and check, checkmate. And I'll, he'll allow me to keep Kellen Moore. Sean ain't. Y'all know Sean ain't going for that. I know Sean ain't going for that. Good morning, Eric. And those who have joined us here late after the, I shouldn't say late, <laughs> who have joined us here after the roundup presented by Texas Family Fitness. David Moore says, Sky, if we gave Coop a bit more of those targets than Schultz got, would that change? Would that have changed things? Possibly. I, I think the philosophy offensively needed to change as opposed to just the targets because, yeah, I could make that attempt to Amari Cooper, but it's still within that philosophical window of what we're doing, which I don't agree with. I think that needs to change a little bit or at least be tweaked. At least be tweaked. Uh, Cash said, no call in today. Just a question, Sky. If Dan Quinn does stay, what position would help elevate his personnel group on the field? If Dan Quinn does stay... What position would help elevate his personal group on the field? His personal group. Got can you can you be a little bit more specific in what, what you're trying to say there, Cash? And I'll try to answer that for you. Uh TC says, Sky, let's trade McCarthy and some cash to New Orleans for Peyton. Didn't I say this yesterday? Joking around a little bit, TC. Can we trade Kellen Moore and some some money and a couple picks, some little weak picks? For Sean Payton, they wouldn't take that, but I'd love it. I'd love it. And then stage says, Scott, you see us trading Coop for a younger wide receiver. Do I see us trading Coop for a younger? No. I think they would try to go picks. I think they would try to go picks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's show. And that's about the defensive side of the ball and their coaches. We're going to eventually grade these coaches on down the line. If you do want to call in about it, 351-999-3787 is the pause of the nation hotline. So here's my thing with this coaching staff on the defensive side, why I'm so adamant about keeping them or at least keeping somebody under Dan Quinn's tutelage, uh, because we've been down this road before of constant different defensive coordinators for years. And you guys have seen it. 
I had this graphic up a long time ago. I just want you guys to now see it, to, to envision the, the turnover that Dallas has been doing on the defensive side of the ball, and we wonder why there really is no consistency on that side. First of all, we don't have a, a, a defensive guy in the front office, right, who values that. And then when you don't have continuity from the coordinator position, you get inconsistencies. Here are the defensive coordinators from 2012 to this year. Rob Bryan in 2012. We remember Rob Bryan, right? He had he was the mad scientist. Did a bunch of crazy stuff. Some of the players actually liked him, but he just did too much. He got fired. Next year, they brought in old man Lane Kiffin. I lie to you not. They said Lane Kiffin was falling asleep in that booth. Lane Kiffin was like 106 years old. He ain't really care. They had to get rid of Lane Kiffin because he was falling asleep. So they got rid of Lane Kiffin. <laughs> they used, then they hired his guy, who was the defensive line coach at that time, Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli was a phenomenal defensive line coach. Rod Marinelli then became a great defensive coordinator in Chicago. Then he hired Rod, and Rod helped keep the defense afloat. Never was great defenses. He did enough. It was it was it was okay defenses for the most part, with mixed in with some d- good ones. He was the defensive coordinator from 2014 to about 2018, and I use quotes in 2018 because then Chris Richard came through, and he was the quasi defensive coordinator slash passing game guy. Called the plays though. So you had Chris Richard, Rob Marinelli's a Tampa two guy. You bring Chris Richard over, who comes from that cover three Seattle. Uh, Legion of Boom situation. So now I got more philosophies mixing, right? You got the three, four mad scientists. You got the Tampa two and you got the cover three and you bring Mike Nolan in here two years later. Who the hell knows what Mike Nolan was running? Three, four, then it went back to a fourth. I don't, no one knows what Mike Nolan was running. So you bring his philosophy in. Then finally, Dan Quinn last year. We're talking about six defensive coordinators in a nine-year span. That is not a recipe for success. When you combine the fact that they don't spend on that side of the ball with they don't have any continuity in their philosophy on that side of the ball, you get inconsistencies. Hell, we can go back before 2020, 2012 if you want, but I decided to keep it within the decade. This is a problem. And if Dan Quinn leaves and he takes Dirty or Witt Jr. leaves or whomever leaves, you're back to square one. You'll have your seventh defensive coordinator in 10 years with most likely a different philosophy. Now, yeah, I'm a fan of Fangio. I'm a fan of, you know, a couple other guys that we can go out and get. But again, you got to find a way to develop some type of farm system on that side of the ball. Seriously, you got to get stubborn via the draft, via the coaching tree. You have to, you have to have a organizational philosophy that you stick with. Look at the Ravens. The Ravens have been through a number of defensive coordinators, but they have a philosophy that they ride with so that when they go get these defensive coordinators, 
they are they are under that philosophy and they're not changing things drastically year in year out, which creates inconsistencies. Now I want you to look at the offensive side of the ball. Three. Three offensive coordinators in a 15-year, 15-season span. 2007 to 2013, Jason Garrett was your play caller. Right? He had that weird year where uh, Bill Callahan called it a little bit, then he took the play calling away from Bill Callahan. But nonetheless, Jason Garrett was calling your plays. Jason Garrett was your coordinator. Ironically enough, Jerry had enough, went out and said, got to bring somebody in here that can call these plays, Jason. So he went out and got a guy that does similar things that he does. You know, he actually was under, and that was Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan was your offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2018. We know how this family tree goes, right? Jason was under Scott Linehan in Miami. Then Jason brings Scott back to Dallas. Oh, guess who was the quarterback in Detroit with Scott Linehan? Kellen Moore. Guess who comes and becomes the backup quarterback in Dallas? Kellen Moore. Gets elevated to quarterback's coach. Kellen Moore then eventually becomes the offensive coordinator from 2019 to now and looks like he'll be the offensive coordinator going through 2022. And you wonder why the offense has had more success. Granted, the schemes mostly are pretty generic, but... When you have continuity and you dedicate continuity and and assets and resources and money to that side of the ball, you're going to get good performances more often than not. Going to get good production and good results more often than not. And that's what we've had for the last 15 years. Offensively, out of 15 years, we've probably had at least 10 of them where the offense has been pretty damn good to stellar, to elite. Minus a few injury-riddled seasons and inconsistent seasons, but more than half of those years, the offense has produced because they they have dedicated resources to it as opposed to the defensive side of the ball. I almost can't fit them all on the screen. And that doesn't date back to 2007. So it is very important, Cowboys Nation, for Dallas to treat the defensive side of the ball as they have treated the offensive side of the ball from a coaching standpoint. You don't want all this snip, snap, snip, snap. I talk about that a lot because I love the office. But seriously, you don't want to do that um, because you're going to con- you're just going to continue to get inconsistent performances because you got. Think about this. Trevin Diggs could, could have three different defensive coordinators in three years. That's just Trevin. I mean, all the players, but I'm talking about a guy who comes into the league because we talk about this with rookie quarterbacks. The Giants just brought it up with with Daniel Jones, talking about all these different OCs that that he's had, all these coaches that he's had. Sure, that actually matters on the other side of the ball as well. That matters on the other side of the ball. Uh, Will Nico says, even when Garrett was coaching eight and eight, we were we very uh, we very rarely lost by more than a field goal. Sure. Sure. Eric W says, where is Bill Callahan anyway? We need him as the O-line coach, one of the best in the business. I mean, let me tell you something, Eric. He ain't coming back here. I don't think he would ever come back here. Uh, I don't think he liked the way he was treated. Um, he is in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, running their run game court. He's their run game coordinator, offensive line coach. 
Um, the reason why I can't see him coming back here, got here, helped build this offensive line, the true, the, the second true version of the Great Wall of Dallas, and then was elevated to play caller, which Callahan never should have been elevated to play caller. It wasn't a good play caller in Oakland, wasn't a good play caller at Nebraska, wasn't a good play caller in Dallas. Stick to what you're good at, and that's developing offensive lines and putting together good run schemes. And he didn't succeed as a play caller. Garrett ripped that back from him, and he wanted to leave. But Jerry said no. He wanted to go be an OC somewhere else. Jerry said no. And um, he stayed for that 2014 season, and then he left, and I believe he went to Washington. So Callahan is now back, not back, Callahan is now as a run game coordinator in Cleveland. So I doubt he'll be back, in my opinion. I can't I can't really see that. I can't really see that. All right, let's get to some of these grades for these coaches. I think this will be interesting because um, you may have potential defensive coordinator options if Dan Quinn leaves. Uh, Stage says, Scott, what you see doing with what do you see us doing with Zeke? And do we trade him for picks? Nah. Zeke will be back. The the money is too much. So Zeke will be back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, up first, I want to get your opinions on one coach, Aiden Durday. I'm saying that right. Or is it Aiden Durd? AD. We're going to call him Coach AD. Coach AD actually was with Dallas at one point. He came into the league with that. He was actually the guy that found, I think it's F.A. Obata, the cat from London, who came over, was with Dallas in the preseason, got signed to the Panthers' regular season roster, and flourished. Had a good year, something like six sacks or something like that. So, shout out to F.A. Aiden Durday, to me, I would give him a B+. Where are we at with him? I'll give him a B plus. Here's why. The development of Oso Digizua, I think he has to have some credit for. I've seen him coach at camp. I've seen, we've seen the interactions on the sideline from the uh the footage from game day. Um, and I like I like his approach. I think the players dig Aiden, uh Coach A D. I think they buy into what he's saying. Um, he gets these players. Remember, Mike Tom Sula was a good defensive line coach but he may it may be his time maybe up sometimes the game passes you in the sense of knowing how to coach these players and I think coach AD understands that and he was under Dan Quinn for a number of years in Atlanta and could potentially follow him if he leaves but the development of Osa Digizuwa I think he should get credit for Carlos Watkins was just a body just a guy came here and he made some plays he started 14 I believe of 16 or 17 games and I believe one of the games he missed was because of COVID so Watkins uh, stepped up this year, and yeah, Brent Urban who he brought in. You saw the development of a Goldston and thing. I think AD deserves some credit in the development of some of these rookies and young players. So I will give him a B plus, and I do love his accent, Sadika. <laughs> Where you guys got Jacob has B plus, Stevie Mac B plus, Grant. Grande Poppy says B plus. Amanda B B plus. I think we're all on the same page. Sadika says A. Adrian says C. TC915 A. Even though I did didn't understand a damn thing he said on Harden. <laughs> Mike Harris says me too. B plus. 
Uh, <laughs> Dave said he got some tracks in the back. Talking, talking about the music. Gene says B plus, blow the heavens. B, Tamara, A minus, Adam, A minus. A, our guy set it off, Chris, A minus, CJ. A lot of A's. A lot of A's. I would have liked to see a little bit more in, on the interior for me to go up to an A, but I mean, I, I'm not mad at y'all for saying that. I thought he, I thought it was a good performance this year for the most part from our defensive line, and I think Coach AD deserves a little bit of credit for that. A little bit of credit for that. All right, let's get to the second one. Now, this one, I'm going to combine the two. I'm going to go with Joe Witt Jr. and Al Harris, and here's why. Al Harris is the cornerbacks coach. Joe Witt is the secondaries coach, but he's also the passing game coordinator. Joe Witt Jr., Al Harris. Flat out, I give them an A. I'm, I'll tell you why, but I mean, an A. We'll, we'll see what you guys got to say about this. Uh, below the heavens, A. Eric Dub, A. David C, A. Stage, A. Randy B. Sheila A, Sadika A. Yeah. Borderline one to go A plus. But I had to be fair. Yeah. I don't want to feel. A, A plus, A all day, says uh, Chris. A plus plus across the board. Yes. I mean, interesting. Chuck says C plus. Listen, bro. If they get a C plus then this entire Cowboys coaching staff gets D's and F's. If they get a C plus, we grading on a hard scale with that one, Chuck. I would love to hear your reasoning. Uh, a minus, A overall, with, with B plus, Harris B, B plus, A. Here's why I give these guys an A. First of all, you got an all pro, a cornerback, and Diggs. And Al Harris, I'm sorry, Diggs credits Al Harris for his development. And you saw Diggs kind of come in early as a rookie and start to kind of make some plays and get better as the season went along. And then next year, boom, he just skyrockets. Tons of, it's room for improvement, right? Like we know there's room for improvement for Trayvon Diggs. And I think the more he has Al around, the better because they're very similar in big, long, rangy cornerbacks. Um, And he even talked about that. So I, I give out an A by himself, you know, for, for doing that. And then you talk about Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown, we all know Anthony Brown. He's For his whole career, he's been mostly a liability with mixed in with a season or two or a season and a half of really solid play. But for the most part, he's been an average cornerback, a, a number three, number four type cornerback. Then all of a sudden, he kind of becomes a dependable number two. A career year, career high in interceptions, past breakups, uh, things of that nature. I gotta, I gotta give Al some credit to that as well. Um, but I put again. I said this the other day. I put a lot of this credit too with Joe Witt. Joe Witt Jr. And it's no, it's think about this for a second. It's not a mistake why he's getting the Steelers are calling for defensive coordinator interviews. The Giants are calling for defensive coordinator interviews the Cowboys interviewed him last year and he's the one I don't let get out this building if Dan Quinn leaves he wants to be the his dream he talked about it my dream is to be the defensive coordinator for Dallas Cowboys you don't let this man leave I don't think there's a coincidence 
the Cowboys had six different defensive backs to record an interception, something they have not done in over 20 years. It's not a coincidence. That's the first time it's happened. And I'm going to tell you why it's not a coincidence, because everywhere this man goes, they tend to get interceptions. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. Shout out to George Bush. But no, seriously, take a look at this. Joe Witt Jr., opponent interception thrown percentage under Joe Witt Jr. as a defensive uh, secondary coach, defensive back coach, passing game coordinator. 2010, first. 2011, first. 2012, seventh. 2014, second. 2015, eighth. 2016, 10th. 2019 in Cleveland, 5th. 2021, 1st in Dallas. Folks, that ain't no coincidence. That ain't no coincidence. Joe Witt Jr. knows how to coach up a secondary. Joe Witt Jr. knows how to get turnovers from the secondary position. I wish I could find the audio from the video that I chopped up with about Joe Witt Jr. He's tough. He's a tough coach. He talked about it. I'm not easy to work with in that sense, but I'm going to get production out of the guys that I coach. That's what he said. First, first, seventh, second, eighth, tenth, fifth, first. All in an 11-year span. That's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. You can't let this man out the door. And here's why. Yes, he didn't coach under Dan Quinn a ton, but he's at least coached under Dan Quinn for the last two years and under the most important Dan Quinn year, in my opinion, this year. Because this year, Dan Quinn wasn't Dan Quinn of 2018, 2019. We all know he meshed different philosophies and schemes together. We all know he wasn't your true cover three guy. It was mostly man defense cover one. So he knows how to continue this style of defense, but he could put his own tweak to it. He also knows how to use your rookie of the year, your defensive player of the year candidate, Micah Parsons, because that's going to be key number one. Get a guy in here that knows how to use Micah. Get a guy in here that can continue to elevate these corners and these DBs because that is important in today's game. Get a guy in here that can help make these safeties Right again. J. Ron Curse. Think it's a coincidence. Hmm? You think it's a coincidence. J. Ron Curse has a career year. And under Dan Quinn and under Joe Witt Jr. I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think so. So A plus, A, A plus, whatever you want to call it with me. Joe Witt. And Al Harris, which I don't think Al is going to go anywhere, but those two guys are so important in the defensive back development moving forward. Got to find a way to keep him. Amanda said, uh, wasn't Joe interviewed for head coach last year? No. So, Amanda, he was interviewed for defensive coordinator right before, right before Dan Quinn. We can speculate on why. Uh, then they hired Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn bought Joe Witt Jr. over. 
Uh, thank you, Nishan. He says, uh, man, I love this YouTube channel so much content. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Got my guy, my bro, O-Head. Not O-Head, OG. My bad, brother. Set it off, Chris, <laughs> in the building. <laughs> <laughs> so, me and, me and OG do go back. We got some of the same history, but OG just, no, no, he's no, no, adamant no, no, no. about his stuff. He, he's no, no, a treasure, no, no, no. man. He's a treasure, man. Oh, uh, well, well, well. Well, I ain't going to say. OG different from <laughs> O-Head. That, 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 oh, you my, you one of my OGs. There's a couple OGs I like that. No doubt, man. Yeah. What's up, man? What's up, bro? Hey, man, listen, that last stat you just dropped about uh, Joe Witt Jr., man, kind of seals the deal, bro. If you can keep him and Al Harris, move Al Harris to passing game coordinator, and then you may lose Aiden, but I think you can find another uh, defensive line coach because, like you said, he did take some guys who were just guys and elevate them. But, mm-hmm. um, man, how you laid this whole picture out, the one thing that these guys, that these guys had, they actually had full-fledged horses. Yeah. You know, uh, Tiffin and all these other guys were dealing with you know, George Selvey and, 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 you know, cats like that who were Nick, top underlying guys. and Jeremy oh, Mincy. You know, and, yeah, dude, yeah. dude, just guys, man, just some, a whole bunch of jags. You look a lot different when you got, you know, horses. You were talking about Robert Sala. Yeah. Robert, Robert Sala looks like the, like the second coming when you got, um, you got horses. But when you ain't got horses, man, it don't matter. So I just think right now you just keep adding horses to the uh to the stable with this defensive line with the defense, and you can put a young and up and coming defensive line coach in there and let him go because right. I, I think if Quinn leaves, you're going to end up losing Aiden. You're going to maybe take maybe two or three guys. He's going to take him because he carried him everywhere he went, and he may motivate and he'll promote him up straight to DC uh, while he becomes the head coach again. But I I, I just think that's the move, man. I don't think you know we've taken this loss and we we've cut it down, cut it down again, and cut it down to thirds. But this defense went from 32nd yes. to 19th this year. We were really a year ahead of schedule. Now, for us who've been wanting us to win, you know, we long overdue. But that defense was supposed to be terrible this year. Going yeah. into the season, that was our biggest question. Could the defense even get to middle of the road? They got to 19th with a lot of issues with COVID, uh, Lawrence out there in the half the year. You lose Urban, which was really a big underlying portion, a big underlying hit for us. And Chris, because it forced our. Go ahead. That's why I don't want to lose. That's why I don't want to lose Wit. Because he, you, you need to have some type of carryover from this success, right? You need to have somebody in that oh, building yeah. that that knows what it takes to go from worst. I don't want to say first, but there was some things they were first in, which we'll get to in a second. But. I think if, yeah, yeah. You, if, if, if you allow them to go, then you can't miss on the next D.C. The, the next D.C. can't be some uh, videotape guy, in my opinion, because you don't know. It's kind of similar to the offensive side. If, 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 if Kellen is gone, get me a proven scheme in here. So if Quinn is gone, you need to have somebody, A, that carry, carries over from the success you've already had under Quinn, or B, a proven guy like a Vic Fangio who's shown the ability to go to multiple franchises and turn that defense around a wink Martindale who has been successful over the last five, six years, but you can't, you, I don't personally think you can say, you know what, Joe Witt's gone. I'm going to go get another team's Al Harris. I I, I don't, I wouldn't like that. I'm sorry. Uh, Quinn is gone. I'm going to go get another team's Al Harris. They're, they're cornerbacks coach and make them a defensive coordinator. If they never had any defensive coordinator experience. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on, as always, man. 
Uh, that's that's why you got to keep some of these guys here. But I, I think you've just got to keep adding guys to the stable. Sure. If you keep adding guys to the stables with, uh, with you know, the Al Harris's, with the Joe Witt, and give some of these young guys who, you know, may we don't even know about. They're, they're linebacker coaches and things like that that we don't even know about. You know, the whole world's in love with Iberflus, but we knew about Iberflus. We didn't know, nobody knew who Iberflus was before he went to, uh, went out to Indianapolis. So I, I just think you got to keep some in-house guys. Yeah. You keep one or two in-house guys. We're going to lose one or two because if Quinn goes, he goes. And then with the offensive side, I know you're probably going to get in, in detail with that. Me and Brandon, frankly, football, we're going to deal with it too. But I think you just got to get a scheme. I think you got to get a scheme. And, and I don't think you need to make as many improvements. But I know you got a show for that. You uh, got two or three shows for that. <laughs> problem is, because I'm trying to wait to see what we what we settle on on that side because it's still a little, a little murky. There's no official – you know, nothing is official about Kellen not getting a, a head coach, just reports that he won't. But if he does come back, now we're talking how do we improve on what we have because it's like he's, it seems like he's not going anywhere. So um, you got to figure out how to improve on that. And y'all know my, my answer is to bring somebody else in that can help Kellen more um, tweak his scheme. But if you bring back the same exact staff, we could be running into the same problems unless Kellen does something we haven't seen him do yet, and that's adapt, which is, I guess, possible. I mean, yeah, hey, Scott, you know what? We go, we go mull over this thing because we got, you know, draft time yeah, and a whole other year to go yeah. over. But, I, yeah, I, I, what I'd like you to do is, and, and we can talk about it or you can think about it, break down the first seven games, the offensive, the, you know, the pre-snap motion compared to after, after rain got hurt and into the, into the end of the season. Yeah. I think that would be an amazing film study and look for you, and I think – We'll see the issues there, and that'll help us figure out which direction we're going. Yeah, I'll definitely dig. I'll d- yeah. dig deeper into that. I did a little bit of that uh, at the end of the year because when we thought that Kellen was saving some plays, so I showed a lot of plays that we did at the beginning of the season right, uh, right. that that never right, came right. back. But I'll dive in even more. I'll, I'll I'll grab more plays that we never saw again on a consistent basis, and they weren't trick plays, Chris. Like these were just regular. Regular plays, misdirection, pulls, pin pulls, sweeps, pitches, jet jet stuff, sweeps. I mean, stuff just that was, yeah. stuff that works. Stuff that wasn't blat- yeah, stuff that wasn't blatantly obvious, like putting the offensive lineman out in, in the slot like he's gonna catch the ball. Stuff like that, you know, just <laughs> just more, more just more stuff that just wasn't blatant and yeah. people doing certain things and getting people back that you could have schemed up and moved. It it was frustrating. I know it was frustrating to many Cowboys fans and Cowboy Nation to watch all the pre snap motion that you saw with Kansas City who couldn't run the football and for Buffalo who really couldn't run the football, but they were able to make make it and use guys to um to move the football. And I said on Twitter, uh the days of pocket rain are over. I think a year removed from his injury, he gets to be a little bit more uh, run, running rain that, I, that we grew to love the first four or five years of his career because pocket rain does not move the meter, meter for us long-term going into the future, man. Yeah, Chris, hey, listen, man, I know you got a ton of people. Yeah. Go ahead, man. No, I just want to say this on top of that. Why would you take away a weapon? Th- that was a weapon. For four years, that, that was a, he had eighteen mm-hmm. touchdowns rushing his first three years. <clears throat> Why would you deliberately take that away, especially when you were struggling in, in an area where he was killing with his legs, and that's the red zone? So, you know, get get somebody in his, here that can help. His his RPO game was stellar, man. His ability to pull, tuck it, and run with it, you know, caused people to have to hesitate in which game, you know, even even Zeke. 
you know, on that fourth, that fourth, third, fourth year, you obviously not seeing as many people and doing certain things, man. But hey, listen, I know everybody's gonna put in work today, man. I'm gonna get out your way, man. Love the show as always. I'm listening, man. We'll talk later, buddy. All right, brother. Appreciate you, Chris. Yeah, do do not take away an added weapon. We but we talked about that all year, right? On the offense side of the ball. Why, why, why would you reel him in? I get it after this year because of what happened at the beginning but towards the end there was no excuse for it we we gotta start winning so utilize everything in the package and ironically how i like the football guy so evil so evil we were calling for more moving of the pocket more of the read option stuff down there in that red zone green zone area and how do we lose the goddamn season on a dak prescott quarterback draw Y'all so goddamn cruel. Y'all cruel, man. Uh, before I get the D-Shift on the phone line, I did want to go back to this, this stat because I forgot to, to mention. We looked at Joe Witt Jr. and how interceptions improved no matter where he was. By the way, this is three teams. This is under Dallas. This is under uh, Cleveland. And this is under Green Bay. You want to know what the Dallas Cowboys rankings are the five years prior to Joe Witt Jr. joining the Cowboys? This is why it's not a coincidence to me. 20th, 30th, 27th, 26th, and 29th. The last five years prior to Joe Witt Jr. coming onto this staff. Those are the Cowboys rankings and interceptions thrown percentage from opponents. Fool me once. Joe ain't fooling me. He good. D shift. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Scott? Um, man, I'm I'm listening to you talk, man, and you know you you're kind of breaking down coaches and um, on you know just some guys are just better than other guys. You know, yep. coaching is very important. If you boil it down basically to Pop Warner and you have the recreational volunteer person who's coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going up against a guy who does it, you know, like he, that's, that's his, that's his joint, you know, coaching Peewee, you know, um, who's going to win, you know? So the better, the better coach team always uh, kind of prevails. And I mean, when you think about our teams that have been successful, we won off just brute being superior in a, you know, basically the offensive line, you know, yeah. We just had we. It just kind of shows you how good that offensive line was because you just basically lined up and did what you wanted. You know, it was not so much of a scheme thing than it was. Uh, now, when you had to actually go to scheme, you know, it kind of broke down for you. I think the only uh, time it was scheme D shift, like, like it was deliberately scheme, and I thought it was successful, um, was under Bill Callahan. Like Bill Callahan brings an actual. O-line scheme to the table. I think they tried to do it with the the cat that went back to Cincinnati, too. Uh, what's his name? Alexander? Is that his name? The ketchup guy? He, he had some weird thing about ketchup uh, in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 he yeah, went, yeah, yeah. He, I think he went to Cincinnati. Uh, and we replaced him with bad. Mark Colombo, which Mark Colombo kind of tapped back into a little bit of that Callahan-ish um, t- talent. Right, right. Yeah, so talent. I would love to bring Imagine back if those guys had an actual Columbia. actually would have had still, still would have had Bill Callahan, you know? Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean um, they they dropped that ball. Hey, I mean, so and that's, that's 
I mean, that segues to my next point, Scott. They dropped the ball on all the good coaches. Think about all the great coaches we've had. Pollock. Um, and Pollock. they move on, and we lose them. Um, you lost Peyton. You lost Eberflus. You lost Zimmer. Um, you lost Callahan. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many great coaches. You're, you're about to lose uh, Dan Quinn, and not off, you know, based off anything you did, but, um, you know, I, I – you know, and, you know, with Dan Quinn, I think he's a coordinator kind of guy, you know. I don't think, you know, he's he's tried his hand at head coaching and um, you got the Kyle Shanahan's of the world who can actually take on the job. And then um, I don't know so many defensive coordinators. I mean, Bill Belichick, you know. Um, and, and, and that's what's kind of great about Bill Belichick is because he's been able to transcend and and go throughout the times. And um, because he's he kind of has a, a – See, the thing about head coaching that is so different than the play calling spot is that it's mostly about management. It's mostly about managing your staff, managing your players, and managing the game more than it is calling a game unless you're one of those guys who actually do it. And a lot of those uh, a lot of those coaches are usually offensive guys that are calling the plays. Defensively, it can get muddy when you're trying to manage a game and call it defensively. Um, but hey, man, if, if you're going to be a walk around head coach, you got to be able to manage players, manage the game, and manage your coaching staff. And I, I think with Jerry, he doesn't know how to manage the coaching position. Period. Um, he he doesn't know how to make kind of just that that transactional approach where you know he treats it like a company. He gets too um, personal with his coaches, and he wants to be their buddies, and um, he doesn't have that right balance. I think um, he he just doesn't have the right balance to be able to kind of cater to the need of the coach, but also make an executive decision that's going to be smart just for the overall outcome. Um, just hence with Jason Garrett, you know. Um, and then I mean, just just the other situations, man. Um, Jerry, he he he's responsible for all this, and you know he's I can't really knock him for not trying to get it right. Um, but, I mean, t- honestly, to tell you the truth, without Will McClay and some of the other good guys you've had along the way, you know, Jerry wouldn't be there. I mean, he was he was going to get Johnny Manziel, you know? So Yeah, we uh, know Jerry's not a good general manager. We, we definitely know that. Yeah. And, and, I mean, well, then he's not a good general manager, but he wants to run the coaching position from his suite. Um, so, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, that, yeah, you're that, echoing that's what we've been been talking about for the last few weeks, and I've been saying it for I the mean, last few years. Play. You gotta win as a play. coach, in spite we, we of Jerry Jones. We at least have the opportunity to buy jerseys. You know, um, our our options aren't limited with jerseys. We we can go buy. Uh, we got a lot of superstars on the team, but um, so do other teams, and they got great coaching. And management, so um, we'll see. I'm I'm gonna remain positive, you know. I'm lifelong, so you know. But um, that's just kind of what it is. If you're being honest with yourself. So. Yep. All right, bro. All right, D. Shift. Appreciate you, brother. Enjoy the rest of your Thank day. You, yeah, indeed, man. Indeed. All right, let's get to our final coaching grade, which is the big one, the obvious one, right? One, Dan Quinn. I think this is easy. I think this is A-plus across the board. Uh, I have no complaints on what Dan Quinn did this year. Um, 
what he was able to do with an all-time franchise worst defense in Dallas in 2021, the mess that was left for Dan Quinn to clean up, to do it in a year not only where he didn't have broke my pen, a bunch of stars on defense everywhere because don't get it twisted. There wasn't a bunch of stars everywhere. A lot of a lot of outsiders look at the Cowboys' success often or defensively and think, oh man, yeah, all these great players. Nah, Dan Quinn, what he did with what I thought was good talent, but not great talent. You got your obviously Michael Parsons. You got your digs. Demarcus Lawrence was out for all year. Neville was out all year. Randy was in and out all year. May have been one of the most impressing, impressive coaching feats in Dallas in the 2000s, really. It's only one year, so maybe that might be a bit hyperbole, but seriously. Nobody give a, gave a damn about no J-Ron curse. J-Ron curse comes here, he's about to get paid. Hmm? Nobody thought Osa Digizua was going to be as impactful as he was. Nobody thought that Micah Parsons, and I thought, and listen, I love Micah. I said Micah's going to be a beast for Dallas. But God dang it, I had no idea Dan Quinn would utilize him the way he utilized Micah Parsons. And I think, and, and Micah will tell you, Coach Q, he brings up Coach Q so much. Coach Q, Coach Q, Coach Q. So much in his development. So I give him an A+. Plus. If the A+, plus is to infinity and beyond. And, and, and the reason why he's getting... So many head coaching opportunities right now is because of the turnaround. Listen, if the Dallas Cowboys had the number one defense last year and they they, they went backwards to number 15, he probably doesn't get these looks. But because of his relationships with the men in that building and getting them to play for him and how he can galvanize an organization, because he did that, a fan base, his players, as well as put some production and results out there, they went, they went from one of the worst defenses to the number one third down defense in football. They went from a, and I know they finished in the top 10 in turnovers, but ladies and gentlemen, they went on a four-game stretch. They played Nick Mullins, whoever the hell the quarterback was for the Cincinnati Bengals, and the um, Jalen Hurts. That saved their turnover. But before that, they weren't getting turnovers. They went from middling of the road turnover team to number one in the league. Dan Quinn, we talk about Joe Witt. He's the second guy you can't let go. That is the main guy you cannot let go out of this building. They can't control it because it's a it's not a lateral move. Head coaching jobs you can go out and take. If it was other teams trying to get him to be a DC, they could say no. Uh, so I'm looking in here. Everything is A plus. Jacob said F for fantastic. I like that one. Uh, a man. A. So Lauren says. My only complaint with the defense in hindsight is that we struggled getting off the field on third down those final weeks, but I'm proud of the unit. I, I wouldn't say that. I think third, again, they were number one in third down defense. So they actually did really well with that. Now there was, I can't, that's one of those things where you can't be perfect every single game, but we're grading the totality of the season and they were number one. Uh, B too many big plays. Yeah. Big plays were given up. Interesting that that's what you would knock them down a whole B minus at that. Whew. Uh, a plus, 
A plus. He turned around. That's that's my thing, TC95. <laughs> he turned around the worst defense I've ever seen. Enough said. That that alone deserves an A. And then to be number one in turnovers, number one in third down defense. Um, and one of the things he did that I, I don't think gets enough credit is his ability to adjust. We get on Kellen Moore a ton for not adjusting, not just mid-game, but mid-season. This man had to adjust just about every damn week with all the injuries, all the COVID situations, getting smacked in the mouth at the beginning of games and having to readjust later in the games. You saw that happen. We never really saw that offensively towards the end of the year. We get smacked in the mouth offensively. It took to the damn fourth quarter for the Cowboys to get it together. I think Quinn was tremendous this year. Tremendous. And he deserves the looks at head coach. And let's, I think a lot of people look at Dan Quinn's tenure in Atlanta and assume that it was a failure. I guess if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's a failure, whatever. Sure, he struggled the last few seasons, but out of five seasons, he had half of that time, if not more. I thought he was pretty solid. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan sabotaged the damn thing, but he should be a Super Bowl winning head coach. Turn around, hand the ball off. Up 28-3, you are a Super Bowl winning head coach. But nonetheless, I think he deserves to have these looks. I'm not as down on him as a head coach as many other people. I get it. It's different. I think he deserves a second shot at, at, as a head coach. Will he be as good as in Atlanta? Well, no one knows, really. Um, is he better as a DC? I think that can be said kind of as a fact, maybe. All right. Look in Seattle. Look at Dallas. The three years he's been a defensive coordinator, they were number one in something. They are one of the better defenses in something. So you got three top-tier defensive coordinator years to, what, two top-tier head coaching years out of five? I think I'd say he's been a better D.C. Uh, Jacob says he took accountability, not like our head coach blaming players. He, I think he's definitely a better leader of men um, than the guys we have on the other side of the ball. I think he's a better leader of men. Dan is the man. Uh, below says, too dependent on the turnover. He's solid, though. Uh, too dependent on the turnover. I guess we kind of did become dependent on him. <laughs> it worked. It worked for the most part. Uh, I think what we needed to do, if he stays, is to still beef up that interior. I think you can beef up the interior. Continue to get your athletic linebackers that Dan Quinn loves. I think you'll get even more of a consistent defense. But I, I, I just, I don't have a... I don't have a bad thing to really say about him. Even if you go look at the only game that I can complain about really from a schematic play calling standpoint or what have you, maybe Oakland. I felt like Dan kind of, he could have chilled a little bit in Oakland and Denver, which again, 14 missed tackles. They just got bullied. I don't even know that was schematic issue. But if you go back and look at the, Atlanta, not the Atlanta game, the Cardinal game. They scored 25 points. They only scored two touchdowns in that game and a bunch of field goals, right? Go look at the Niners game. They pretty much shut them down in the second half until there was an interception. They get the ball next play. Uh, they score a touchdown because people don't want to run and tackle. See the other game. Um, week one is week one. We uh, That's why I always say not counting week one. 
You go look at, you go to Kansas City, 19 points against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'll take that all day and tomorrow. So I just think Dan Quinn did a good job adjusting and readjusting and readjusting every time something got thrown at him. And I thought he put up some good fights against some of the better um, offenses in the league. Even, like I said, in the playoff game, you see 23 points. It's not really a ton of points, really. They they scored seven in the second half and a bunch of field goals. All right, man, we're going to get to a couple of these calls, and then we'll head on out for the show. I got Rico on the line from the 512. What's up, Rico? Hey, what's up going on, Sky? Let me give me one second here. If y'all speak. Hey, Sky, I just wanted to uh, call in and, and say thanks uh, for uh, kind of hearing me out last week and uh, to the chat and Cowboys Nation for everyone's support. No problem. Um, I actually started new. I actually started a new job today, so I'm at work right now. But um, I just wanted to mention. So I was watching the, uh, I guess the final word the other day. And they were arguing about J. Ron Curse. Uh, you know, uh, one guy was like, you know, we need to keep him, whatever. But everyone else was like, well, without Dan Quinn, he's kind of nothing. But I was thinking, like, I was thinking Al Harris. Um, like, he's the the one that's been working with the, all that back end, you know, the most, right? But then you mentioned the Joe Witt connection. Yeah. So that makes more sense. So I'm sitting there like, you know, Dan Quinn leaves. I think J. Ron Curse needs to stay because it's like that button you hit, run here, talk shit. Like, and he's a green dot. Like, for someone to come in and be a green dot, you know, this is first season with the team and whatever. There's something there that I think is cannot be replaced um, yeah. as far as like attitude and what he brings to the sideline. Yeah, I would so, definitely, I would definitely give good, a lot of credit to. Uh, Joe Witt Jr. and Dan Quinn. Joe Witt Jr., because he's a secondary's coach, so he's working with those guys. Um, we got to remember, Al is the is the cornerbacks coach. Um, so he's, oh, he's okay, okay. Yeah, he's mostly with the cornerbacks. Uh, and that's why I gave him yeah, credit for, for Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. Whereas okay. uh, Joe Witt's going to be working with most of the secondary. And then you got to give credit to Dan Quinn for utilizing him on that chessboard. Because that's Dan Quinn's call yes. to give him the green dot. That's Dan Quinn's call to move him around the defense and find ways to put him in best position uh, to succeed. So I think it's no coincidence he has a career year under Dan Quinn and Joe Witt Jr. Yeah, for sure. That's you know, but that, well, my thinking was that if Dan Quinn was to leave, and but we keep Joe Witt, I think J. Ron will be just fine. Then just the same. Well, but, he'll uh, be just fine again, if, we, if we sign him, Rico. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. we know Steven. There is a threshold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If he wants too much money, then. If he yeah, wants too much money, then that's it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah, but, for but sure. I, I, think he, you have to, I think you have to lock him down. You don't want to go into the offseason with uncertainty at both safety positions. Because best believe, there will be uncertainty. I like Donovan Wilson. But Donovan Wilson has shown in his career he can get dinged up and he can't stay on the field. So he's not a guy that I would trust to be my starter for 17 games going into the next year. On the other side, KZ and Hooker are gone. So what? You're going to draft one? You're going to bring in some more cheap free agents over there? So you got to at least sew up one of those positions. And I think J-Ron is the obvious easy answer right there. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. That's why I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Like, you know, maybe uh, next time you talk to them guys, you can make that argument too. Like, it, without Dan Quinn, as long as we got Joe Witt, you know, I don't think much changes. So, 
Oh, yeah, Joe Wade anyway, is extremely important, Rico. I, I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks again, man, for everything. And, uh, again, to, to the chat, uh, all y'all's words and, and everything you said just helped me move forward. So, uh, appreciate everything. Man, listen, man. Rico, no problem, Go man. Go Cowboys. Keep your head up. Keep pushing forward, brother. And like I said, man, we're, we're, the community is here for you. For sure. Y'all have a good one. You too, bro. All right. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's very very important in my opinion to keep him around, and and I definitely credit Dan Quinn and, and Joe Witt for the success of not just J. Ron but the DBs. I see some people in here say, you know, I want to bring back Malik Hooker. I, I'm I'm with that too, but I still would address the free safety position. I feel like Malik should be paired with another free safety, whether it be a rookie whether it be a uh, long-term option at free, I don't know that I want to look at Malik as a long-term option. I'm still wary of his injury history, and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence he was able to stay healthy this year by being a part-timer, so I would kind of keep him in that orbital role. What I mean is our guy Koye, we talked about this, right? You had KZ as the rainbow, and then you had Hooker as that orbit guy. So, yeah, bring him back. But still address that position. But I, I think J-Ron Curse, honestly, J-Ron might be number one on most important guys to bring back in free agency. It'd be a battle, obviously, between him and, and Randy. I would love to have them both. But if you told me I can only have one, Sky, who do you want to bring back? It would be J-Ron because we have a terrible history of finding safety continuity. We've found defensive ends. And this is no knock on, on, on Randy. It's just that I love safeties. I'm biased. Not going to lie. I, I would love to at least lock up one of those positions. At least one. Super chat. Super chat from below the heavens. He says, do you think we're grading on a curve based on 2022? Uh, I think 2022, you absolutely have to take an account with the grades, but I don't think you take it all into account because there was real tangible success. Like I said, Look at the success of the defensive backs. Look at the success uh, uh, on third down. Look at the turnovers. Uh, look at the the results you got from Michael Parsons as a rookie, how he coached him up. Um, when D-Law came back, Randy Gregory had a career year. The I think just all of the things that were thrown at Dan Quinn, let me ask you this. Do you think the defensive staff would have been able to handle that last year? Meaning you, you lose a player every week for extensively, you know, long periods of time. Um, COVID, injuries, going up against, you think last year's defense would have been able to go into Kansas City and hold them at 19 points? Right? Like, nah. So, I mean, obviously, you think about what happened in 2020, but just 2021 in general, I thought this defense was a really solid defense. There was no dominant defense in the entire NFL. Not one. Not one of those Legion of Booms. One of those Denver Broncos. One of those uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. One of those Ravens. Bucks. Obviously, the 85 Bears. No doomsday. There wasn't. There wasn't. So, Dallas, to me, stayed in that conversation of defenses that I can move forward with and win in the playoffs. And I don't think it was the defense's fault the Cowboys lost in the playoffs. And again, they had their their moments, just like every other defense this this postseason. But I thought they did enough to allow you to win that ball game. 
All right, let's get to 505, then we'll close it out with my guy, Mel. What's up, 505? Hey, brother, how you doing? Great show as always, man. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to say, man, um, you know, I give Dan Quinn a, a solid A. Um, did a great job. It's like squeezing juice out of a turnip to me, man. I mean, of course, he added Parsons and so forth, but the, the um, <clears throat> some of the um, adjustments he's made during during games and so forth, has been exceptional compared to pre- previous uh, coordinators, as we all know, right, previous years. Yeah. Um, he's done well and uh, love to keep him. I'm glad the Broncos uh, sounds like they're going another direction, so that gives hopefully us some glimmer of hope of, of keeping Quinn. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, man? Do you think we're going to end up being well, able to keep him, or is he going to go to the Giants? Well, I said earlier we dodged a hollow bullet. Uh, with the Denver Broncos because he was extremely favorite there. It was it was down apparently between uh, Quinn and Hackett, but he's also in the runnings for the Giants, which could be I believe is the offensive coordinator with the Bills could be the favorite there. But he's also in the top running for the Bears job. So there's still some landmines that we have to yeah. dodge. So we're not out the water yet. Uh, but the more the more head coaching vacancies that get filled, the better I feel about him coming back. It's just still too early. To, to get too confident in him returning because there's seven seven vacancies still open. Uh, but as, as if those vacancies continue to drop, we get down to like three, four, two, then I'll start feeling like, hey, we got a shot here. So uh, it's just a wait-and-see approach right now. Yeah, wait and see. Probably we'll know, I guess, by Super Bowl week, hopefully, you know. Um, yeah. We get a path forward for drafting and so forth. But uh, anyway, and then, uh, you know, Kellamore, that's a different show altogether. But let's uh, let's yeah, we hope that, that we can dodge fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. I I'm trying to catch up on stuff there. But um, hey man, thanks a lot. You, you take care. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too, man. Let's get my guy Mel in the building. What's up, big bro? What's going on, Scott? What's going on, no, man? man. I'm, I, I, I'm gonna give uh, to me, man. DQ, very solid A, man. Very solid A. If you look at, um, like you said, you got to take 2020 into account sure. because this was this was not a defense of stars. It wasn't like you had, no. you know, this isn't this isn't uh, the San Francisco 49ers where they've got, you know, first round picks across the D line or even Washington that has a lot of first round picks across the D line. This was really, you know, like your boy Jesse say, a lot of Jags that he really took yeah. and really turned them into and gave them all career years, man. Yep. If you look at Curse, Curse's Curse Curse for his career has been a jag. And he turned him into probably one of the top free agent safeties that's gonna be on the market. So I mean Anthony Brown. I definitely uh oh my God, Anthony Brown. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be honest, even Trayvon Diggs. I mean last year I think Trayvon had three picks. They were all against Philadelphia. Um, two of them were against Carson Wentz. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, well, he still gets beat. But at least, you know, he, he did turn that into getting a lot of turnovers. But the overall unit, had how uh, I think the buy-in that DQ was able to get. Everybody really, even when the defense wasn't great, they still knew what they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. They still had an identity. It still it still was a cohesive unit. So I, I definitely give DQ an A and I'm a I'm a I'm 
I'm really agreeing with the last caller. I think DQ comes back, and I'm going to tell you why. The teams that are still available mm-hmm. um, all have big-time quarterback issues. And we know that these GMs, and a lot of them have new GMs, and as a GM and as a coach, you're usually you're, you're, you're chained by that quarterback. You're at the hip by that quarterback. So um, I, I can really see these GMs kind of going the hot offensive coordinator or hot offensive well, QB coach. So far. Um, I really can see them going that way to try to, you know, not only, not only uh, get the right quarterback, but also protect their job. Even if you look at the statement that the Giants just put out about, uh, about Daniel Jones, it was all about Daniel Jones. It really wasn't about team culture, chemistry, and I think that's what DQ would bring to a team. Um, but you know, a lot of these guys they're gonna want a they're gonna want a situation where they where they feel like they're putting their upstart quarterback or unproven quarterback into the best hands possible. I mean, that's the um, that's the that's I, the trend, right? To get the offensive coordinator, and like I said before, man, I would feel so much better. Uh, if it was only three or four jobs out on the market, it, then, then then I would be like, yeah, I think we're good to go. But there's nine, and so there's a lot of landmines to dodge. Damn, I, there's, still nine? there's nine jobs, but two of them just got taken, so there's seven. <laughs> so you know that's that's a lot of jobs out there, and and I'm I'm just waiting for more to kind of get filled before I feel good about it happening. Right now, it's just a ma- it's just a selfish thing. I want it to happen, but I don't feel good just yet until this thing kind of gets down to you know. There's only three left, and the three are like Tua and uh, like you said, Daniel Jones or somebody where you feel like yeah, they're definitely going to hire an OC guy to help out with this um, with this quarterback situation. Uh, so I would love to have him back, Mel. It's just man, there's so many landmines to dodge right now. I'm waiting for for Dan Quinn to walk through them and come on back to the good side and and not be blown up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man, I, I feel good about DQ coming back, man. Just with the way the NFL goes and the way that it trends, um, you know, I really felt like his best possible. Well, it still is his best possible. Chicago is not filled yet, right? Uh, he's the he's one of the favorites in there. It's like him, I yeah, think Flores, that, that's the one that, that, a couple defensive guys, yeah. and, and I think uh, one offensive guy. Chicago, Chicago is the place that worries me because overall Chicago does have a culture um, of defense, and um, they've got some pieces over there already to where they could they could bring him in and be like, okay, you know what, we're going to base this thing on our defense. We're going to ask Justin Fields not to throw the game away, and um, you know we're going to go about it that way. So here are the I, I, I think here are the mm-hmm. openings. Uh, you got Vegas is still open, Houston is still open, New York is still open, Miami is still open, Chicago, Minnesota, uh, and New Orleans. I believe Jacksonville is going to go with Byron Leftwich, and then obviously the Broncos. Yeah, Byron, yeah, Byron's getting out. Jacksonville. So you got um, those yeah. seven. So if we can dodge those seven, boy, we'd be in good position. But but you know which one really scares me? Minnesota. I think Minnesota scares you. I was going to say Miami. Here, no, because Miami is exactly what you were talking about, right? Young quarterback, you want to get a young offense. You want to get one of those offensive masterminds. 
in Minnesota, you don't need a young offensive mastermind. You got a veteran quarterback and a system that he's been successful. Well, I say successful, but he's familiar in that QB act lineage tree, right? And they've been a defensive driven team for a while, and they still got some defensive studs over there. Um, and offensively, you don't need a whole bunch. They got two stud wide receivers. They got a quarterback that can throw the rock. They got a stud running back. You just need to get an offensive play caller in there that doesn't need to do a whole bunch of window dressing to get it done. Uh, Dan Quinn, you know, he's got some guys over there defensively to work with. So that one, that one worries me a little bit. Uh, yeah, I can see that. The other reason to play devil's advocate with the with the Minnesota situation is they kind of just left the Dan Quinn. Not that, not that Zimmer and Dan Quinn are identical, yeah, but you know, they're totally uh, both opposite. the defensive guy. See, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we got to add context. To, we I understand it's easy to say defense, offense, defense, offense. Like that, that's the easy thing to do. But mm-hmm. you, you got to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, the issue with Zimmer wasn't that Zimmer couldn't coach. The issue with Zimmer is that he's, right. he stopped relating to the players, and it became a cultural issue. Uh, and this isn't exactly. this isn't me exactly. just saying this. This is Eric Kendricks. He came out, and I think it was another cat in Minnesota that came out and said the culture was just not good. The the communication was not good. Uh, we just didn't have a great relationship with Zim. Well, what is one of the things that Dan Quinn is most heralded for? A good culture, culture. and being able to coach yep. up players and 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 communicate with players and put them in in, their, in good yeah. positions defensively. So. Yeah. I think he'd be a, a easy fit in Minnesota, uh, but I'm hoping they go somewhere else. Here are some of the other co- other coaches they have interviewed. Let me. So they got Todd Bowles is another one. Obviously, Kellen Moore, uh, Kevin O'Connell, Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, D'Amico Ryan's from 49ers, and defense coordinator Raheem Moore. So so they interviewed DC Todd Bowles, DC D'Amico, DC Raheem, DC Dan Quinn. D.C., Jonathan Cannon, and the only two offensive coordinators they interviewed was Kellen, which he ain't getting it, and the Rams O.C., Kevin O'Connell. So O'Connell could be one to watch out there, but it looks like they want to go defense, according yeah. to the, according to yeah. their defensive coordinator interview yeah. request. So that one, that's the one that worries me, man. Just that one, though. The rest of them, I could kind of get behind. You know, Chicago got the young quarterback, right? Get me a young O.C. Yep. Miami got the young quarterback. Yep. Get me the young OC. Daniel Jones needs a, a good offensive mind. Houston, I don't know. That's a wild card. And then Vegas. Vegas could be another one. But I don't think they requested any interviews for Dan Quinn. So, so far, you talking me, actually, off the ledge. So, <laughs> and I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, on with yeah, New that, Orleans. That's a good one. Yeah, that one, uh, yeah. That's a, that is an interesting one. The only reason the Miami one scares me is because I feel like coaching-wise, they liked Flores, and culture-wise, they liked Flores. But they didn't like Flores as far as getting along with the organization. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like they kind of would like a culture guy maybe over a um, – Oh, we need an offensive mind guy, or or you know that sort of thing. That's why. But I don't know if DQ's interviewing there. Is, is he interviewing there? The, yes, they have. They requested the interview with Miami, but they also requested okay. offensive coordinator Brian DeBall, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, uh, Rams running back coach Thomas Brown. So they got some offensive minded folks okay. 
They look like they might want to go that way. Yeah, the, the only defensive guys I interview, Leslie Fraser, he ain't getting that. Uh, Vance, Joseph, that's interesting, but I doubt it. And really the only threat defensively, in my opinion, is Dan Quinn. Other than that, it feels like they're going to go offense um, yeah. because of, like yeah. you said, the the situation with the quarterback. But they might strike out. If Brian DeBall gets to the Giants, you know, I actually I just thought about it, Mike McDaniel. So they did interview Mike McDaniel. So maybe he'll get the head coaching job there. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, you know, running running through it like you just did, I, I don't feel horrible about it. You know, no, I don't no. feel horrible about it. I, I think, don't either. I think we've got a good chance. Yeah, I think I think we just talked each other through this thing a little bit, didn't we? <laughs> I, I feel a little <laughs> yeah. better. I feel a little better after talking it through. But but again, I'm just waiting for him to get through the weeds, right? Just just get your way through and come on over to the good side, and I feel much better. But it's, it's just so early right now. Yeah, it it is pretty early, but I I don't think you know everybody's kind of like DQ's not coming back, and I'm like slow down a little bit. I I I definitely felt like that with with ten openings or whatever the number was at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, nine. Yeah. Um, but at at yeah, as it's starting to get worked through a little bit and just kind of seeing where some of these organizations want to go, um, I'm feeling a little bit better that we do have a solid chance at retaining DQ, um, but we might lose Joe Witt, though. So, you know, it's, 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 it's the coaching staff, as we saw it, the team, as we saw it last year, it's not going to be the same. No. Um, but, yeah. Scott, I'm going to get off, man. I know we got other callers want to get on. I'll be hogging up the time. So, now you're the last of the hey, day, man, bro. You're, doing, bro. you're the last of the day. Oh. <laughs> All right, bro. It's, it's, it's time to get off. All right, man. I mean, appreciate you as always, Mel. Yeah, see, this is why I like to have conversations with the nation. Y'all, y'all, you know, again, we, this is more of a conversational show. We talk things through here. I don't pretend to have all the damn answers. I try to present some things that maybe you guys didn't know um, through research. I try to present some film. I try to, you know, give my opinion, obviously. But this is about both of us learning something, right? And y'all, t- you know, Mel helped me talk this through here because I was definitely one of those who was like, man, I don't know. Dan, Dan Quinn got like nine opportunities. And if you want to be a head coach, you can be a head coach. But uh, talking it through a little bit, I feel better about it, but I'm still waiting a couple more days or a week or so. And then we'll revisit this once we know more about the other coaching vacancies around the league. But right now I'm still I'm still iffy. And today I wanted to talk about if he does leave, we need to figure out how to maintain the same defensive philosophy because we've seen it shift far too often. Subject, far too often. Jay Lombardi says, I think Quinn stays if Chicago and the Giants choose other options, but chances uh, look slim. TC says, I hope he does run it back. I wanted him to be our head coach until the Sean Payton news broke. Now, I don't want him to be the head coach. He would just be a lame duck here. I was hoping even more, TC. I was hoping Dan would turn into Dick LeBeau and turn into Jim Johnson, right? Turn into, those are the two that I always revert to because I I guess Wink. Wink had a stint of what, about five years? Wink Martindale, Don Martindale in in, in, uh, Baltimore. Somebody that can stay here for a long time to help build an identity. We don't have one defensively. 
we kind of had had one offensively every so often, but we've had the same. Listen, we've had the same system per se. Now, obviously, Kellen Moore's system is like I don't want to say on steroids from Jason Garrett, but it's more of the of a hip version of Jason Garrett. But there's still that Zampezi, Air Coriel principles and foundations to it and we've kept that similar philosophy for 15 seasons as opposed to defensively so that was the point of today's show was that we need to figure out a way to keep this philosophy maintain this successful philosophy moving forward Cowboys Nation tomorrow we'll be back Fan Friday. Actually, I'm going to be dropping the mailbag. We're going to do, I think we'll do another mailbag segment. I might take a few from the questions I didn't get to uh, last week, and we'll start doing that likely weekly up until March. I think we'll do a Fan Friday mailbag segment and uh, get to your questions. We'll answer your questions. If you don't know about that that show, we usually feature it. We'll have your questions on air. We'll read out the name and all that good stuff. So make sure y'all tune in for that. Um, And then next week, I believe we'll start the new structure of how we'll implement this channel in the offseason. Because we don't want to remain stale. We don't want to be Mike McCarthy. I don't need to take a year off and go into the barn, but we don't want to be stale. So we're going to do some different things moving forward and uh, ratchet this thing up and try to hit. We want to actually get to 20,000 subscribers by next year. That is the new goal, 20,000 subscribers. When I say next year, I mean starting in September. So we're going to ratchet this thing up and continue to bring some of the best content that we can give you. And I'm going to try to continue to be one of the best Dallas Cowboys morning shows in the land. So y'all keep on rocking with your boy, okay? Make sure y'all tune in later tonight to our guy, Mauricio Rodriguez, A to Z Sports Prime Time. I think I'll have Mo on at some point again um, in, the, in the coming weeks. And I'll also be joining Prime Time. At some point as well. Boom! We got breaking news. As I'm leaving. Matt Eberflus. See? See? Hey, Mel, call back in so we can continue to talk the, talk Dan Quinn off the board. Matt Eberflus, the new head coach in Chicago. So now we got three. One, two, three. Treat. All treat. We got three vacancies gone. We're starting to get Dan Quinn back to the good side. Jaguars look like they're getting their guy, Byron Leftwich. Denver got Hackett from the Packers, and it looks like the Bears are going with Matt Eberflus. So now we're down to six. We just got to get him through six. Come on, football gods. Come on. Let us get our guy back. That's all we're asking for. Then we're going to ask for a Super Bowl. With that said, Y'all enjoy the rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow. Appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you for all the donations. The calls were great. The chat was great. And um, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in. 8.15-ish. 8.15-ish. Love you guys. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. 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 Do we have more breaking news? I got to confirm this. I got to confirm this. I got to confirm this. Hold on. 
Boom. Let's freaking go. Let's freaking go. Breaking freaking news at the end of the show. A lot of people probably left, but breaking no I'm I'm, I'm let me just let me just gather myself real quick. I want to bring this up. Wow. Wow. Hold on. Dan Quinn has informed teams he's staying with the Cowboys. Let me bring this up. I promise you, just give me a second. This is some extra content. This is massive. This is huge. This is huge. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Come on, man, come on. Here we go. Breaking news. Dan Quinn has informed teams he's staying with the Cowboys. Six teams requested head coach Dan Quinn or head coach interviews with Quinn who decided he wanted to return to Dallas and try to win a Super Bowl. He should be a hot name again next year. Huge. Massive. How crazy. How crazy. We're talking about this all show. All show. And we get exactly the question. Will the defensive philosophy shift in Dallas again? No, it won't. We will not see this disgusting graphic add another name to it. Dan Quinn will be returning. Cowboys Nation. Amazing news. Amazing news. Amazing news. All right, man. I'm going to get out of here for real. Tomorrow, hey, maybe we continue to talk about this and what it means for said players, said coaches, and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm excited. Let me get off of here and uh, get into it. Appreciate you guys. And now I'm going to hit this button and get the heck up out of here. Love you. Peace. I want me 